What's up, everybody? This is another episode of the Movement Podcast, Midweek Sessions. What you're going to hear is a sermon that was preached at our Movement Midweek services that are held on Wednesday nights at 7.30 at New Life Church in Metairie. If you want to keep up with our local student ministry, you can follow us on Instagram, all one word, all spelled out, the Movement Students. Thanks again for joining us on the Movement Podcast. So this is a, uh, a little bit of an interesting thing to talk to you guys about only because uh, the inspiration of this um, and the correlation between like my sermon title and my graphic that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you in a second and the relation to what God spoke to me about a while ago. It's really weird how these two things kind of like came together. Um, I wanted to give you guys something Christmassy, I guess, just because I figure it's the month of December. Um, Christmas is right around the corner. So I wanted to give you something Christmassy. And just the way the Lord brought two things together is kind of weird. Um, but we're just going to roll with it. And we're going to see how it goes. I want to preach to you guys tonight about I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Yeah. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Um, so I, I've always kind of heard this song in reference. Have you ever heard the song? Anybody ever heard the song, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas? Yeah, super weird. Like, it's super weird. I don't understand why anybody would knowingly choose to have a hippopotamus for Christmas. Like, I don't know why anybody would willingly choose to have a hippopotamus, period. Um, they're horrifying. Like, they're terrifying. They kill more people in Africa than lions do. That's a real stat. And they can get up to 30 miles an hour. Um, so, okay, to give you a comparison point, those of you who like sports, there's a, a football player named Tyreek Hill who's maybe all of 5'8", maybe 170 pounds. And uh, the fastest he got this year was 22 miles an hour. Now imagine this large, you know, semi-aquatic pachyderm with, with iron skin that weighs about two to three tons running 30 miles an hour aggressively wanting to kill you. And this small, small little white girl <laughs> asking Santa ever so kindly, I would love a hippopotamus for Christmas. Hippopotamuses are horrifying. Hippopotamus eye, hippopotamuses. Um, they're terrifying. And so that kind of prompt the thought, all right, weird song, uh, very weird request. So I, I begin to kind of do some, some study and digging and Kids ask for really goofy things for Christmas. Like kids are kind of goofy in general. Um, and I say that being as a person who used to be one. Um, like when you ask kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're like, I want to be a pig. And I'm like, That's, you can't be a, whatever. Anyway, you're a kid. You're silly. You don't make any sense. So I begin to look up really weird things that kids ask for. Um, and I found some really, really goofy things. One thing a kid asked for was an invisible puppy. Oh, that's really easy though, because the parent can just like take a box with nothing in it. And you go, oh, here's an invisible puppy. He's not moving. No, he's dead. Whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's super mean, but whatever. You've got to do what you got to do. Invisible puppies are expensive. Um, one, one kid wanted a cat cow. A cat cow. I guess it's a mix between a cat and a cow. This person doesn't know how, I don't know, genetics work. <laughs> like, I don't know. 
Uh, one kid wanted a butler, super reasonable. Um, one kid asked Santa for glow-in-the-dark underwear, um, which not going to lie, sounds kind of dope. Not going to lie, that's not a terrible request. Um, they had one ask for a pet unicorn. Um, another one asked for a stop sign, I guess not understanding the legality of asking your parents to steal you a stop sign and potentially, you know, putting a felony on their record because you wanted a stop sign. Also, stop signs a lot bigger uh, in person than you expect. And I know that as someone who has stolen a stop sign. (laughs) Ironically enough, on a youth trip in Dallas, Ryan Abadie and I stole a stop sign um, and we hid it in the hotel room. And then the cops started looking for it because obviously we had stole a stop sign out of the ground, pipe and all. And so we ran, we took it out of our hotel room and we hit it. Don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. So we actually then took it and we didn't want it in our room. So we actually took it down. And you know how they have like the rooms with like the vending machines and the ice machines and stuff. So we took it. We have me and Ryan Abadie at like 19 years old, one of us in the front, one of us in the back carrying this like nine foot pole with a giant stop sign on it. And like down the hall, and there's like, you know, Meredith and Myrtle coming out of their hotel room. We're like, hey, ma'am, how are you? And they're just like, ah, whatever. So we put it, put it in that thing and just dipped. And uh, we don't know what happened. Hopefully everything was fine. But anyway, this kid wanted a stop sign. Um, my favorite one was a kid that wanted a beef case. A beef case. So either the kid wants a case made out of beef, or they have a speech impediment, or they meant they want like a beef cake, like a very handsome, whatever, it doesn't matter, very handsome man. Anyway, beef case was my favorite one. Um, Kids ask for really weird things sometimes. And I'd be willing with almost 100% certainty that these kids didn't receive the beef case they asked for. And I doubt they received a cat cow, Uh, maybe an invisible dog if the parents have a really sick sense of humor, Um, but they didn't receive unicorns. And The reason they didn't is because the things they were asking for are pretty much impossible things to actually receive. Um, Even though some of these things do exist, like stop signs, like they're real, they exist. Again, I don't think a kid understands the ramifications or legal implications of their parents stealing a stop sign and like wrapping it up. I'm like, here, Timmy, here's your stop sign. Also, mommy and daddy have to go away for a while now. Um, (laughs) But that's just kind of a part of being a kid is you don't really understand what you're asking for. They're not really prepared to receive what they actually want. Like the kid who wants a hippopotamus for Christmas, I doubt they understand what it means to actually own a hippopotamus. Like, yeah, you get a, like, he's really cute in the picture with like his shirt that's too small. Like he looks like a, (laughs) he looks like an evangelist. (laughs) He got his tie all loosened and his shirts are just, his buttons are screaming for mercy. Um, So like, it's super cute, I'm sure. And like baby hippos are like mad adorable. But I don't think the kid that legitimately wants a hippopotamus for Christmas actually knows what they're asking for. They don't get it. Um, They want to be able to ask for things and just receive them. Like no strings attached. I don't care the implications of having this really dangerous, deadly animal in my home. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. And like, we're laughing because it sounds silly because we're sophisticated and we're smart. Um... And like, we know things and we know that like, oh, you can't get a hippopotamus for Christmas. That's like so goofy. It's illegal in like every state to own a hippopotamus. Um, Like we get it because we're sophisticated, smart young men and young women. But what's ironic is that as crazy as some of these requests like sound to us, like some of these things that these kids are asking for, as crazy as they sound to us, uh, 
and how improbable they sound to us, some of the things that we ask God for are equally as improbable. And some of the things God's looking at us like, why are you asking for that? I, I can't give you that. We use Mark eleven twenty four, 24, and it says, whenever you ask, you know, whatever you ask in prayer, if you believe it, you will receive it. We use that scripture a lot as validation to just ask God for whatever it is we feel like we want to ask of him and to just expect him to give it to us. God, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Just give it to me. But just like your parents can't actually get you a butler, your parents can't actually get you a hippopotamus because one, you don't know what goes into having a butler or a hippo. And two, realistically, they probably don't actually have a butler or a hippo to give you. And there's something very specific that I want to talk about with you in this room that we are asking God for, but God will not give it to us. One, because we don't understand what we're actually asking for, and it's not actually something God can send us. And it sounds weird, right? Like, wait, what can't God send me? The one thing God can't send you is revival. And it's probably the most prayed for and sought after thing, especially within the church of your generation, because I firmly believe that you guys are going to see the second coming of Jesus. And you are going to be the one to experience all of these incredible things that we read about in the Bible, where God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh and all of these incredible, wonderful things are happening. So we pray all the time, God, send us revival. God, send us revival. God, send us revival. But God doesn't send revival. And we begin to question the promises of God that he will, in fact, pour out his spirit upon all flesh because we're praying for God to send us revival. God, gift me revival. And the problem with, the, the problem with this thinking is that we put an incorrect understanding of what it actually means for you to have revival. Just like a kid puts an improper understanding of what it means to have a hippopotamus. In Psalms 85 and 6, it says, will you revive us again? that your people may rejoice in you. The church as a corporate entity, the church as a body as a whole, cannot be a recipient of revival because revival is not something God sends to the church. To say that I attend a church that's having revival is inferring that the church as a corporate unit can have revival without individuals that make up that church being themselves revived. And this mindset implies that I can experience the benefits that come with a church-wide revival while piggybacking off of the work and consecration of others. So I can, experience, I can go to a church that's having revival, meaning now we have a lot of people and now we have a lot of money and now we have a really awesome facility because God's giving us revival. And now I can be uh, an individual that takes advantage of that and I can, I can use that and I can experience that. And this mindset implies that the church as a corporate unit can have revival without individuals being revived. But you can't stumble upon revival no more than a car can stumble onto a road trip. Though a car may be equipped and built for road trips. And I love road trips. I love road trip snacks, which is one of the things that Madeline, because she cares about my health and wants me to live, you know, past 40. Um, she's like, Hey, we can't get road trip snacks all the time. I'm like, Oh, but I love eating 17 honey buns. I eat in ways I could never actually eat when I'm on a road trip. Like I can never in a normal situation, drink an entire 12 pack of soda, unless I'm on a road trip. It makes no sense. But just like a car can't just crank itself up no matter how nice the car is, no matter how cushy the car is, no matter how built for a road trip that car may be, unless someone gets into the car, cranks the car, and drives the car, that car will go nowhere. It will experience nothing. 
no matter how much it's built for. You could get in your driveway and pray every day. God, I pray right now in the authority of the name of Jesus that I will put my hands on this car and it will teleport to Houston. And God's like, why? I'm not doing that. That makes no sense. Get on my face. But you could get that car to Houston by getting in the car and driving it to Houston. Now, why you want to drive to Houston, I don't know. There's a lot of other great places you can drive that's not Houston. And then you get stuck in Houston. Revival is something that individuals of the body experience. I don't want to merely pray, hope, and dream that one day we arrive at a place called revival while the church is growing cold and stagnant and rusting in the driveway in the same place it's always been. I don't want to just hope that one day the church experiences this magic thing called revival, yet meanwhile, I've never gotten to the church, cranked it up, and drove it anywhere. But I want to be used as a vessel that can bring revival. And it's time that you go beyond asking God to give the church revival and you pray as the psalmist prayed, God, revive me. I want to have a revival in my prayer life, a revival in worship. I want to revive my heart and my mind. I want to revive my affections and place them on heavenly things. I want my spirit to be revived. One of the things that I I was talking about getting was a new camera. Um, And like, as we begin to kind of price it out, it's one of those things where I'm a really difficult person to buy Christmas presents for because I don't really want anything, like ever. Like Madeline just ends up usually buying me like tons of clothes and it's going to be the outfits I wear for the rest of 2020 because like I don't really buy clothes and I don't really buy things. Like I'm like a video game character that has like three or four preset outfits and I just kind of rotate. I'm like an old cartoon where like they always wore the same shirt because the artist didn't feel like drawing multiple shirts. That's what I am. I'm just like a cartoon character that wears the same outfits every episode. Um, So I'm really hard to buy for because I don't really want anything. And the things that I want, in this case, I want a new camera and it's about $2,000. And that's a really expensive gift. Like even for Christmas, that's like a really, really expensive thing to buy. So I didn't ask for it for Christmas because I'm gonna save up my own money through working and through doing different photo shoots. And I'm gonna go ahead and buy it myself because... Some things are too expensive and too valuable to be handed as a gift. The cost is too high. You need to work a little bit for it. And the cost of true apostolic revival is far too high for it to merely be gifted to you. It has to be earned. You can pray for revival literally every day of your life and you will never experience it because it's not a gift that God gives you. It is something you must earn. The gift is the Holy Spirit. That you get. If you repent of your sins, baptize in Jesus' name, the gift is the Holy Spirit. Revival, you reviving your spirit is not a gift. It's something you must earn. We earn revival not because we once a week or once a month petition God to send us revival, but we earn revival by committing in prayer, committing in fasting, committing to our obedience of the word of God. We submit to his will and his authority. We commit to holiness and consecration. We as individuals experience revival. We place ourselves in position to become vessels that God can use and bring about what the church really should be worrying about, which is harvest. We pray a whole lot about revival. God, send us revival. God, send us revival but we really should be focusing on a harvest. In Luke 10 and two, it says, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And watch this verse right here. It says, therefore, it doesn't say pray for revival. It says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. God doesn't send a harvest. God sends laborers. 
The harvest exists. The harvest is white. The harvest is plenty. The harvest is ready. God does not send a harvest. God sends laborers. God does not send us revival. We experience personal revival and God sends us increase. God does not send us souls. God will send you. And far too often we pray, God, send us souls. And while it's true, like sometimes people will walk through the door of the church uninvited, absolutely. But there are plenty of times that those same people walk out of the church that were uninvited and they walk out unaffected because people were focusing so much on begging God to send us revival that we missed out on reaping a harvest because God does not send you revival, nor does God send you souls, nor does God send you a harvest. He sends you. He did not say, pray that there would be a harvest. He says, pray that he would send laborers. And we're missing the point of revival because we think it looks like us showing up one day and there being a thousand people in the seats. I heard a sermon one time. I won't say where I heard it, but I couldn't have disagreed anymore with it. Uh, when the man was preaching and he was trying to hype everybody up and I get it, he was trying to say, you may show up this next Sunday and there may be a thousand people in here. I'm like, no, there won't be. There won't be. There won't. Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance there'll be a thousand people. The reason is because God doesn't send revival. He sends laborers. And if we're just going to sit here and pray, God, please send us revival, send us souls, send us harvest, and yet we continue just to come into the service and sit on our hands and go, God, oh man, I love that I'm in the church. And then we're like, okay, great, church is over. Where are we going? Los Efes, love it, so good. And then we leave. And then we come back on Monday and we go to prayer meeting and we're begging God at prayer meeting, God, send us revival. God, send us revival. God, send us revival. 30 minutes? Okay, great. I'll see you all on Wednesday. What do you want? Eat something? Ice cream? Love cream mystery. And then we come back on Wednesday and we enjoy the service. We're like, oh my gosh, the service is so great. I really, really loved it. But God, we really need revival. And then we do the same thing over and over and over again. And we're missing out on what God really wants to do because we're so busy praying for something that God has already placed. We're so busy praying for a harvest when God's like, you already have it. We're so busy praying for revival and God's sitting there saying like, I don't give you revival. You revive your spirit. You revive your prayer. You revive your fasting. And as you revive yourself, and as you recommit yourself to the things of God, he sends you as a laborer. Don't get so wrapped up begging that God sends revival and forgetting that God wants to send you. In Romans 10, 13, and 15, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, which is awesome. Like, I love that. Now, obviously, we know it, it requires a lot more than me just going, Jesus, saved, right? But what, what the writer of Romans is saying is, if you begin to call on the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved. And they that will call on him, how can they call on him if they don't believe in him? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, let me make something super clear. This scripture is not talking about evangelists or pastors. We read scriptures like this and we're like, oh yeah, how can they hear if no one preaches to them? I should bring them to church so they can hear my preacher preach. That's not what this scripture is saying. What the writer of Romans is saying is, if they call on Jesus, they'll be saved. But how can they call on him if they don't believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how are they going to hear about him if no one preaches to them? Far too many of us are praying that God send us, sends us revival, 
But God doesn't send revival, he sends you. We can get really, really, really stuck in that. And we can get very, very focused on praying, God, send us revival. And that the second God tries to use you as a vessel to bring forth that harvest, we shut it down. And on this last movement midweek service, I don't want us asking God to give us revival because it's just about as impossible for you to get gifted revival as it is for you to get gifted a hippopotamus for Christmas. But there is a call to true revival, a revival that's not gifted, but a revival that is earned. I'm not talking about some inconsistent numeric growth. I'm not talking about filling up a building full of people who came lost and stay lost. I'm not talking that God would just send us people for the sake of having people. That's not revival. It's just numbers. Jesus had some of the largest gatherings in the New Testament. And one of them, literally, he has 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not including the, the women and children. And he performs a miracle in which he, he breaks the loaves of bread and the fish and he feeds these 5,000 people, performs a miracle after preaching. And the Bible says, and when they were all full, they got up and they left. And only 12 of them stayed. I'm not talking about some numerical fixation that we have where, God, we want to have 3,000 people by the end of the year. I'm talking about real revival. I'm talking about where a group of young men and young women go into 2020 praying, go into 2020 fasting, go into 2020 studying God's word, and going into 2020 with the understanding that God will not send you revival, God will send you. God will not send a harvest, God sends laborers. There is a call to true revival. There is a call to true revival, which can only happen if you allow it to happen. It's, it is true. God wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. That is true. And the Bible tells us that, that until every ear hears, he's not going to come. That's true. But you can absolutely stifle anything that God is wanting to do because God is wanting to use you to do it. In John 4, 35, it says, do you not say there are yet four months then come the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Jesus is telling them very simply, why do you keep looking at it and saying, we have four more months till we can harvest? Or I would take that as, well, we have to have a few more events before we can harvest. I have to be a little bit smarter and, and be able to quote a little more scripture before I can harvest. We have to have a little bit of a better social media presence and then I can harvest. We have to get our music on point, then I can harvest. Jesus is saying, why are you saying you have to wait four months before you can harvest? Lift your eyes up. Stop looking at the temporal and lift your eyes up and see that the harvest is white and it is ready now is not the time to ask God to gift us a harvest because God cannot gift something that is already here. God has already given you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's that gift of the Holy Ghost that will propel you to places you couldn't possibly imagine you could ever be. That's the gift. Now is not the time to pray that God would gift you with revival or gift you with harvest because it already exists. It's in your hands. The ability to have whatever level of revival you desire to have is within your own hands. And now in this moment, it's not time to ask God to send us a harvest. It's time, 
in our hearts to ask God to send us. And this last scripture, as we all stand, I'm going to read. Y'all can uh, come play. We're going to close 2019 out in prayer. Acts 13, 47. I didn't give you this one, Chris. That's okay. So Paul and his homies are uh, being confronted by officials in whatever town they're in. And they're basically saying, hey, you need to stop preaching. You need to stop doing the things that you're doing. You need to shut this thing down. And they basically said, no, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And it says, for the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. There's a very real call tonight. Going not for some superficial understanding of revival, not a call to, to find a place to pray and beg God that he would send some corporate revival, that we'd come into church on Sunday and there'd be 2,000 people. That's not what the call is tonight. The call is, God, I want to be a light. The call is, how many of you are willing right now in this moment to not ask for revival, but to experience revival? The call is, how many of you are going to go beyond asking God to gift you some level of increase or, or asking God to gift you a harvest and take up the responsibility of being a laborer? You are being called to be a light. You are being called to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You are being called to go far beyond just begging God to give you revival. But you're being called to experience personal, intimate revival. And I wonder if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't just want to ask God for a hippopotamus for Christmas or an invisible puppy or revival. But you're ready to say, God, this is something that I want to earn. I want to earn revival with the way I pray. I want to earn revival with the way I consecrate myself. I want to earn revival with the way that I worship. And God, I want to be sent. God, I don't want to just sit back on my hands and wait for you to gift me something that time after time after time in your word, you are commanding me to do. I don't want to continue to pray that God sends me a harvest when scripture after scripture after scripture tells me that he is not going to send me something that is already here. He is desiring to send me. God is not wanting you in this season that you're in to pray, God, gift me something. God is wanting you to turn your attention onto the kingdom and say, God, send me as a gift to someone else. And so if you're in this place right now and you want to make some recommitments, these, this altar is open, this, this, this youth center is, is an altar unto God, and you can begin to recommit yourself that says, God, I don't want to just be a spoiled church kid that's begging you for things, but God, I am ready to commit myself to the work of the kingdom. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every young man and every young woman in this place, God, would accept the call that's going forth, God, that we would go far beyond begging and asking you for things that you have no intention on actually giving us, but God, we begin to realize that you are wanting to send us. We continue to ask 
for a harvest and we continue to ask for revival without understanding that we are the vessel of revival. We are the vessel of harvest that you are desiring to send us. So you do want to send revival, God. You do want to send a harvest, God. But you want us to be the ones to execute That's it. Just begin to pray. Begin to find your own place of prayer. Begin to recommit yourself to the things of God right now.